Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Happy to Meet Cute. This is Fallon Ballard here with my incredible co-host, Courtney Kay. I know that's not a very exciting adjective. I'm sorry. My brain is broken these days. No, I'm shaking my head because I don't feel incredible. You always give me an adjective and it's like hard to accept. Well, you are. So accept it. But you are incredible. (laughs) Thank you, friend. Thank you, friend. Um, How is everything going? I feel like we haven't recorded an intro in a really long time. Yeah, I know. It has been a while. We, um, when will this one air? This will be coming out August 2nd. So it still is a couple weeks away. We're front loading because I'm about to be out of town for a long time and because we have Summer Book Fest coming up. So, but yeah. I guess by the time this airs, Summer Book Fest is over and we will be relaxed and happy and kicked back by a pool drinking a cocktail somewhere. Yeah. And probably like <laughs> fully entering our Barbie era. I hope. Yes. I hope that for us. So excited. Um, and also, I think it's okay to say, but like, so Fallon and I, just everyone who's been on, you know, following, joining us, like from the beginning, the podcast has kind of like taken off a bit, like in publishing. And we're really honored and humbled and to the point where we're getting so many, uh, requests. And I say this very humbly, but like in our email that we, um, we have so many shows recorded at this point and we're booked through the end of the year. I know it's wild. It's wild. Like I never would have expected this. And like when I basically like slid into your DMS and like begged you to start (laughs) this podcast with me, you were like, what if we do a pot? And I'm like, yeah, (laughs) I am not joking though. Like I literally was like, we should do a podcast. And like the next day you had like spreadsheets ready. And I was like, yes, this is amazing. Just Uh, excited to hang out with you and and people. And like that excitement is still like, that's, we love it. We love doing this. It's so cool meeting other authors and. Yeah. And I, I love that. Like it's definitely become more of like a workload than I think either of us originally anticipated, but it still is not something where I'm like, Oh, I have to go edit the podcast. I'm like, Oh sweet. I get to re-listen to this amazing conversation that we had. Um, And I just love that. Like I, I was editing the the Maisie episode, which first of all, I don't think I actually edited anything out of that. It's just our stream of conscious conversation, which I loved. loved it. But like, it's just so fun to go back and listen to those. And we just, Mm -hmm. I feel like we've been so lucky to have so many insightful conversations that make an impact on me, even as I'm listening to them for like the second or third time. Um, And I just feel so lucky that we, that we get to do this and that people actually want to talk to us. And some of the people that are popping up in our email inbox, I'm like, wait, you, you want to talk to us? Okay. Yeah. It's really humbling. Yeah. And just like getting comments and from listeners on Instagram and tags. It's like, that's so cool that like, because we started this podcast because I think we were both feeling really lonely. Yeah. And then so to have built like 
this to have like be surrounded by such a cool community is really really special yeah so thank you all for being here thank you for listening thank you to like um authors for trusting us with your beautiful words and books and we love it we love doing this it's so it's so so cool it's the highlight of my week every week we're hashtag blessed yeah and (laughs) i think too like um if it's okay to say fallon let me know but like i know we both have had talks where we share similar like um concerns with like social interactions, right? Mm-hmm. And saying the wrong thing and doing the wrong thing. And that's something that had always stopped me from starting a podcast before. And I, it's cool that we've gotten more and more comfortable as time has gone on to have like candid and real conversations. And honestly, there are times when I'm like, you know, I think I should have said that differently or I should have done this. And especially when I listen back to the conversation, I'm like, oh God, Courtney, what did you, what were you doing? But <laughs> It's also like a good lesson in just having grace with ourselves. Yeah. Like, you know what? Yeah. You are going to say stuff that you wished you would have said differently. Obviously. Totally. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I think that is actually, it's helped me a lot. And I, I hope that you feel this too, as you, well, by the time this releases, you've already been through public, but um, (laughs) as you kind of come up on these more live events and in-person things that we have to do, like, it was much easier for me the second time around. And I think a lot of that is because we're just more used to having these conversations and talking about our books and talking about ourselves and, you know, being open. And I think that especially people that have been listening to us for a while now, it's like, which is even wild to say, I know, which is cool. We just, we really love you all. Like, yeah, but like, they know our intentions, you know, and obviously, obviously intentions don't always override the impact of your words, but, um, I hope that everybody knows that we're always coming at everything from the best place. And maybe we don't always speak coherently, but (laughs) (laughs) I think people know what we're trying to say for the most part. Yeah. 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 And I love that. And I love just like, uh, just that idea of, of having, being gracious to yourself, you know? Yeah. Like, it's okay if you didn't say it exactly how you wanted to say it. And it's okay if you're corrected, like it's a learning experience and it's okay. It's just, it's okay. Yeah. (laughs) And you shouldn't let like a big fear like that, because I have huge like social anxiety fears Mm -hmm. stop you from doing something that you're really interested in trying. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, and I know like I've already sort of been mentally gearing up for stimulate because I know that my social anxiety is going to be like in overdrive just in that experience and in that situation. Um, but yeah, I love that now, like I know so many of these people that we are going to meet and talk to, or if I don't know them, like we've had face-to-face conversations. And I think that that it's going to make that experience like so much more enjoyable for me. Absolutely. Even just to like, um, like you said, face to face, like having that facial like recognition. Yeah. And like, Hey, we've had a conversation before and it's so nice to see you. And it's like the ice is already broken. Yeah. 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 Although now that I'm like saying that out loud, I'm like, Oh my God, 
I'm going to walk up to Christina and Lauren and they're going to be like, who are you? (laughs) No, no, which would be fine if they did. They meet a million people like I would not be offended, but like, (laughs) well, and I was going to say, that's the other part of like social anxiety, right? Is like, if that did happen, it would have nothing to do with you personally, or like it would have nothing, no negative connotation regarding you. Yeah. Yeah. But it will live in my head for the rest of time. I know. And I can say that because I'm outside of your head. But if yes. it's in my head, I'll, I'll, I won't believe that. <laughs> we'll have to approach them together because then maybe it'll be like uh, yeah. the connection. The yeah. duo. And yeah. something I was thinking too, as we've been talking this, um, we didn't plan for this, but I love it. No. Yeah. I love this check-in. Um, oh, I forgot what I was going to say. Here it is. Okay. What I was going to say was I couldn't do this without you. Like, it's better together. It makes it more, like, yeah, same. It makes it ha- so much happier and enjoyable. I could never have a pod. I don't, like, all the respect to, to those who have podcasts by themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know do how they do it. Yeah. I couldn't do it. No. I even forget everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it's not even, like, the talking and the conversation part so much as, like, just like sharing the workload between two people, it's already a lot. So I can't imagine how like one person does it all by themselves. Like, yeah. And like full transparency. Like if you're interested in starting a podcast, the workload totally builds. It starts very small with like, Hey, I guess, should we just lay out like how we have built this up? Yeah. Why not? If people are interested. (laughs) Might as well. We have a little bit of a longer intro today, which is cool. Um, well, you start. So, because you conceptualize all of this. Yeah. So I basically was just like, I really want to have conversations with authors where, yes, we talk about their books and we talk about their writing, but we also talk about things that like, we don't get to talk about much. And that was like purely selfish because I was like, I want to have gossipy conversations about like the bachelor and Mm -hmm. Vanderpump rules. And I want to be able to like, have those conversations with people that I know and also with new people, because I just feel like a lot of times as writers, we talk so much about the writing that we don't get to talk about the fun stuff. Um, And I honestly like knew that I didn't want to do it by myself. And you were like the first person where I was like, Oh, this is something that Courtney would be like really good at and we should make that happen. Um, I don't know why, like, but I appreciate it so much. (laughs) I'm glad that you chose me. It was like some sort of fate came in and like (laughs) stepped in. But I mean, I feel like the beginning part was like pretty easy. Like we had a couple of like conversations about like what we kind of wanted the podcast to look like. And, um, you know, we did some research on like recording studios and what's the best platform to use. And that was like a little bit more on the tedious side, but honestly, even that was pretty easy because the information is just like so readily available. Um, and as you know, by all of my ads, we landed on Spotify for podcasters. <laughs> what? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, and it actually has been very simple. And I feel like that was the thing that we were scared about or one of the things we were scared about in the beginning is like figuring out how do we edit this and how do we upload Mm -hmm. and how do we like mix things together and take stuff out. And that part has been easier than I thought it would be, but 
Yes. Still took some time to get used to, but it was been pretty user-friendly. And we, so Fallon, and we kind of divided and conquered as well. Mm-hmm. Well, we had a, we had a meeting. We had a few meetings about like the direction of the podcast, the like mission, quote unquote, our mission statement, but which was <laughs> about getting to know the writers behind their yeah. words. And so we developed, actually Fallon, you put together the questions that you had in mind and um, about like, we developed a guest questionnaire and um, every guest that we have on the podcast, for the most part, um, we send them this questionnaire and they, so like a lot of the time you'll hear us talk about like our flow of show. Um, and so they'll fill out the questionnaire and it's very cool because it automatically gets people comfortable to chat because you're talking yeah. about somebody's personal interests and we get excited hearing about like wh- what the conversation and um, it's just it automatically breaks the ice, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we didn't go in with that intention, but it makes so much sense. And it has become so easy and fun. Um, like, oh, cool. We were going to talk to so-and-so about this today. And yeah. Um, yeah. And so we've, we very rarely have like, actually, I can't even think of a time when we've had like an awkward, like, Oh, what are we going to No, Like it's not, it's never been that because it's, um, so that has eased, I think the social anxiety of people coming on and then surprising them with any questions. It's like, they kind of come on and we come on already knowing what we're all going to chat about. And it's, it flows. Yeah. And I love it because, and I feel just like most of this is just because we're very lucky and we've had incredible guests, but like yeah. each week as we're like putting the flow of show together, like one of the first questions we ask is like, what's a writing topic that like you don't talk about very often or like something that you haven't heard talked about. And I just love that there's just, just huge range of things that people are passionate about or have expertise in like, you know, Kate Claiborne, when she was like, I want to talk about like writing while you have a full-time job. And like, we get so many comments from other writers about like, I've never heard that kind of like an open conversation about it before. And like, that was so impactful for me. Um, And I just love that. And then I love the flip side of it where people are like, I want to talk about the Barbie trailer, (laughs) or I want to talk about the Vanderpump Rules reunion. And I'm just like, Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Let's yeah. gossip. I love it. It's so fun. Yeah. It, it's been awesome. Like, it's just been so joyful. And um, it, it was like such an organic process. And um, I think what I was going to mention before with the dividing and conquering, like we kind of went with what we both were comfy with. Yeah. And you enjoy the editing. And I kind of got into everybody's DMs. <laughs> it's like, do you want to be on the show? And then now as it's evolved and grown we're kind of um I have a heavy hand on the social media side and then um Fallon is like a champ at editing the episodes and we both are now involved in our inbox and scheduling and as events are happening and like it's it's super cool yeah it's just wild to think that Well, I mean, first of all, when we first started this, we were only doing two episodes a month. So we were doing like every other week. Um, And we had these sort of like conversations that like, well, maybe in the far off future, we can do things like this. And then it was like six months later, we were like, oh, we're planning a book festival. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Just rolling. (laughs) Yeah. 
And it just is, it's really cool to see the growth. And it's also very like still every time I look at our email inbox lately, I'm like, is this our real life? Every time I'm checking my mail and there's more amazing, beautiful books just waiting for me there. I'm just like, this is the best. Wild. Yeah. But it's been incredible. So thank you all for listening. Yeah. Thank you for your support and for joining us. And a lot of you have mentioned that it's like a comforting show and that's super cool because that's what, what we want to put out into the world, a a happy place. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Um, and I just, yeah, I still, every time, I mean, I often will think back to conversations that we have had Mm -hmm. and just draw on those and, like if I know that I have a particular thing, like I'm stressed about boundaries or something like I'm going to go listen to Jessica Parra's episode because she's going <laughs> to yell at me and tell me to say no to things. And I need to hear that. And I just love that it's like all there and we can access that whenever we want to and kind of relive those conversations. It's super cool. Yeah. Absolutely. Love, oh. love this journey for us. Yes. We need shirts mm-hmm. with that because I feel like we say that often <laughs> or I at least say it to you often. <laughs> like, no. Yeah. It, I love it. And oh, we always say, I love it. We always say yes. that. I catch myself like I'm listening <laughs> to the episodes. I'm like, wow, Courtney, could you say that 25 times? <laughs> okay, dude, I have to say, so I actually have stopped watching the bachelor and bachelorette because I, I just couldn't take it anymore, but I always used to be so judgy. <laughs> Because they all say that all the time. Like the lead person, whenever they're in these like conversations, they say, oh, I love that. Like constantly. And I was always like, oh my God, that's so annoying. And I was never so I'm like, okay, I get it now. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I judged you, bachelors and bachelorettes. (laughs) We can mix it up with, that's fantastic. (laughs) That's and that's like, and I like legitimately mean it. Like, <laughs> me too. Me too. I love it. Oh my god, that's hilarious. It's like the 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 that was easy button, but like, I love it. <laughs> Amazing. Um. All right. Well, speaking of people that we love, um, yeah. This episode coming up, I'm just obsessed with her. Um, and I. Oh. Yes. When we recorded this, I hadn't met Rachel in person yet. We're chatting with Rachel and Solomon today. And since then, I went to her book party at uh, Meet Cute Bookshop, which is just the best. I love that place so much. Um, And she's just everything you want her to be and more. And I just adore her. Also, she did tell me to give you a really big hug. And so I owe you one of those. (laughs) Oh. God. So Rachel, um, I guess before you listen to this episode, like I, my career would not have happened the way it did without her. She was my pitch wars mentor in 2020. Um, and before that she was, you know, an, an acquaintance and I loved her books. And after that, she is like a dear, 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 dear friend. And so having her on the show was just like such a cool moment. And as always, I'm- yeah probably over emotional about it (laughs) (laughs) no it was so good and I 
we've had a really good streak lately of just having really open and honest conversations. And um, I just feel really grateful that people are able to be vulnerable and open with us and, you know, share personal things about themselves and, you know, talk about their experiences and their personal lives. And I just, the whole thing, everything is magical and wonderful and I love it. Oh, <laughs> Disneyland. But I um, actually was going to add on that you and I have had conversations before about how it, like after an episode and after one of those conversations, sometimes you and I will stay on and be like, well, damn, that was amazing. Every time we log off, I notice that I like clutch my hands to my chest. About <laughs> like, mm, that was amazing. Like, just like so happy every single time and it and we have had that exact conversation about like it it's such an honor and it means so much that people feel comfortable with us Um, yeah and that's what we that's what we want because sometimes you know as authors it's super uh nerve-wracking to come on and talk about your book and talk about your process especially if it's your first time coming on a podcast and I had to force myself to do it in the beginning because I was terrified. And I literally, like, one time I almost spilled water on myself because I was shaking so badly. <laughs> and I feel bad for past me. Um, but so we get it. Like, we get how nerve-wracking it can be. And so t- to be able to make somebody comfortable enough to feel like they can open up is really uh, such a such a joy and, and honor. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Our guests are amazing and you are amazing and our listeners are amazing. Absolutely. Thank you all for being here. You're all amazing. Um, (laughs) All right. So we will be right back with the incredible Rachel Lynn Solomon. And now you can listen to my lovely ad for Spotify for podcasters. (laughs) (laughs) Yay. Welcome back everyone to happy to meet cute. Um, I was just saying like, I'm, highly emotional as we start recording because I am looking at the face of both Fallon Ballard and the amazing Rachel Lynn Solomon, um, two loves of my life. But let me introduce you to Rachel. Rachel Lynn Solomon writes about imperfect people falling in love. She is the New York Times bestselling author, oh yeah, of the X of the X Talk, Weather Girl, Today, Tonight, Tomorrow and other romantic comedies for teens and adults. Her books have been optioned for film and translated into more than 15 languages. In high school, Rachel sang and played keyboard in an all-girl band, and she was once part of a group of people who broke a Guinness World Record for the most natural redheads in one place. After graduating from the University of Washington with a degree in journalism, she worked for Northwest media outlets such as the Seattle Times and KUOW Public Radio. Originally from Seattle, she's currently navigating expat life with her husband in Amsterdam. Rachel, welcome! Oh, it's so good to finally chat with you guys on here. Oh, I have admired both of you from from afar and from near Courtney when we when we saw each other <laughs> last year. And uh, wow, I forgot some of those things were in my bio. It's probably been a long time since I wrote that. <laughs> I'm like most I love it. redheads, is that like crucial for readers to know? <laughs> yes, it's a fun yes. fact. It is. It's my only one. <laughs> and I've been know. joking it. 
for almost 15 years. So, <laughs> it's time. <laughs> you have to set a new world record. You got to figure out a new one. Maybe we could do like a Actually, most romance authors. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, that's a good one. There actually is a Redhead Festival happening in the Netherlands later this year. So I may have another opportunity. Apparently, it's the biggest one in the world. So I moved to the right place. Wow. This Uh, was faded in time. Like, are you the foretold, you know, prophecy? Chosen one. Yes. (laughs) I think I'll find out at the festival. Yeah, I'll report back. (laughs) That's amazing. Uh, my husband is a redhead, and I'm going to be like, hey, we should go to Amsterdam. <laughs> that sounds Great amazing. Too, yeah. <laughs> he, is, he would be very welcome. <laughs> Rachel, you have book number eight releasing. By the time this episode is live, it will be out for everyone to buy. Business or pleasure? How are you feeling? Good and stressed a little, tired <laughs> a lot, I guess. <laughs> I, as we record yeah. this, I am two days away from my 11 hour flight back to the US where I'm going to be touring to promote it, and then you know, six days from publication. So, like the flight anxiety and the publication anxiety, I thought they would cancel each other out, but they just built on each other. <laughs> oh, friend, that's a lot. No, well, no, no, it, 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 oh, uh, no, no, I mean, it's, it's good anxiety. I, I feel like if you're not anxious at all, then it maybe it means that you don't actually care. And like, I do, I care. I really mm. love this book. It was so much fun to write, like, in a legal amount of fun. I feel like just based on, based on some <laughs> of the comments that my editor wrote, like, I'm shocked that our emails were not flagged by some, uh, you know, interdepartmental <laughs> security um and I just I just hope people have fun with it tell us all about it for For readers who haven't uh picked it up yet yeah so business or pleasure is a romantic comedy about a ghostwriter who has a terribly awkward one night stand with a c-list actor having no idea who he is and she later learns that she has been hired to work on his memoir And just in case that partnership weren't complicated enough, uh, he winds up or she winds up admitting to him that their night together was not as magical as he thought it was and offering to give him a few pointers in the bedroom. So it is a mix of the one night stand trope, except the sex was terrible and the spice lessons trope. Someone mentioned that on Instagram the other day and I'm I decided I'm going to call it that, um, Spice Lessons, which is super fun. Um, so the Spice Lessons trope <laughs> where she is the one teaching him. So it is just a whole lot of steamy goodness. I was fortunate enough to read a very early copy of this amazing book. And something I love so much that you do is you subvert the, and you do this a lot in your work, and it's something I adore, but you subvert the like stereotypical roles so like if you were to have a Hollywood heartthrob he would normally be like you know this I don't know stallion in bed I can't even think of like the right term (laughs) Mm -hmm. but he's the one who needs help (laughs) he's the one who needs some lessons 
Um, and our wallflower of an author is the one who knows how to teach him. And you do this so much mm-hmm. in your work, as whether it's like gender roles or just like stereotypes. I always love how you subvert them um, and just like flip them on their heads. Did you have so much fun doing that with this book? Like, is that something you thought of consciously or did it just happen when, as you grew these characters? Well, thank you. I know. I mean, it really means a lot to me when um, someone says that about my books, because that is, it is a hundred percent what I set out to do with this one and with most of my books, because when I view the romance genre and just like my my own contributions to it, I mean, however minute, it's you know been around for a long time, and will there's you know so many people writing amazing stuff. I really try to think about what kind of unique voice am I contributing? Like, what what am I adding that isn't already there? And it's not to say that you know she teaches him has never been done. That's is definitely not true. Um, or that there haven't been C-list actor heroes. Um, but I try to wrap up tropes in a way that feels fresh and different to me. Um, and I think also starring people who maybe don't um, get to be heroes or heroines all the time. Um, so yeah, I, I really try to subvert things whenever I can. And, and this book really grew out of you know, I, I think I was actually frustrated for a long time because I was like, why is the one night, like, I, I think I didn't understand the meaning of a trope. So I was like, why are there all these books and TV shows and movies about people who hook up and then, oh no, he's her boss. Um, and I think it just grew out of that frustration where I was like, well, what if the hookup was actually awful? And then how would that make things even more complicated? So a lot of it, I think comes from what if questions too. Like you take something, you know, this established trope and you're like, what if I did this instead? Mm. Yeah. So brilliant. And I just, this was one of those books that as I was reading it, I was like, oh, I am like feeling these emotions. Like I am feeling (laughs) that like cringe when they have that like, you know, awkward, oh my gosh, this is our, you know, our new setup is I'm writing this book for you. And we just had this sexual encounter, like it's just the way that you write it just like the emotions just like leap off the page and um it's just so brilliant and it was like so fun to read while also still being like so heartfelt and emotional and like tugging on all the heartstrings it's like one of those where you laugh and you cry and it just was like it's so brilliant so brilliant such a trademark of your novels Oh no, you were yes. too nice. Thank you. Now I'm going to be crying. <laughs> it's the truth. Fortunately, I have, it's the truth. I have 11 hours to, to myself. I'll just be the weird crying girl on the plane. <laughs> I, I love that. <laughs> See, I'm not, I'm not alone being the weird crying girl on the plane. <laughs> That's the beginning of a, a romance novel right there. The weird crying girl on the plane. <laughs> Um, and as as always, you have such heartfelt and caring and beautiful mental health representation, Jewish representation. Do you want to speak to that at all? Sure, yeah. I mean, this one, like all my books, um, has a Jewish heroine. Um, It also has a Jewish hero. I feel like I kind of alternate with that 
um, just depending on how a, a character comes to me. Uh, so yeah, that's one of the ways that they connect is is through that shared hero identity. Uh, and the Finn, uh, the hero's mom, is actually also a rabbi, so they go to a one of her services at one point. Um, and then I feel like I put I scatter pieces of my own mental illness throughout my books like a puzzle for my <laughs> readers. Uh, <laughs> um, for my therapist. Um, <laughs> No, uh, I've written about OCD before, but I haven't written germ-based OCD, which is what Finn has. And I think part of the reason is because that's one of the stereotypical portrayals of OCD. And I've been worried that people would think I was writing it that way just because of the stereotype. Um, but almost everything that Finn does in the book is drawn from my own experience. Um, and OCD is something I feel really strongly about uh, show, showcasing in books because it is so different from what most people, um, I shouldn't say most people, but what, you know, how it's portrayed in the media. And, you know, even, even growing up, my family would sometimes joke like, oh, you're so OCD. And we've all heard those jokes, right? Um, so, oh, sorry, can you hear me? Yeah, you're good. Well, my, okay, wait, you can, if you need to edit this part out, you can. I just, my headphones just told me disconnected, so I don't know why they did that. We can we hear can you. still hear you. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. Um, it's okay. I will find a good, a good point to jump back into that. Um, but yeah, so all the, all the OCD rep that I saw growing up was, yeah, like either very, very stereotypical or very um, derogatory almost. And it took me until my early 20s to get diagnosed and realize that a lot of the obsessive thoughts that I had and a lot of the compulsions were OCD. And I didn't even understand like the thought component um, and kind of the the mental, um, it's just like gymnastics that, that your brain can do when you're, when you're stuck in a, in a, you know, obsessive thought loop. Um, so yeah, writing, writing some of that for Finn was really cathartic. Um, and yeah, something I, I hope to, I hope to keep scattering more pieces of, of my mental illness throughout my future books. Well, I think what's so amazing about that is that it does feel so real and it doesn't ever, you know, feel like a character, like it feels very authentic, um, and I think that that's just so important to see that on the page. Yeah. And I, that it, it's a tricky one. <laughs> um, but moving on to something a little lighter and equally important, let's talk <laughs> about those six spice scenes. <laughs> if you're ready to move on. Yeah. No, what an amazing segue. I love it. <laughs> tell us so I love um how you said that you would love to talk about keeping them fresh especially when you have multiple scenes because I think that's something a lot of authors um also want to do for sure yeah so obviously in a book where you know sex lessons you know the teach me trope is employed um there are a lot of sex scenes and from the very beginning I was unsure how to 
keep them feeling different and make the reader want to keep reading because sometimes um you know this is sort of a maybe I shouldn't confess this but like in a romance novel if I am not compelled enough by the plot or by the characters themselves sometimes I will just read until the sex scene and feel that release of tension and then be like okay I can stop and I amazing that's only only if I'm not like that's just only if the book is not for me if I'm not vibing with the book in any other way I get to that point and I'm like okay I can move on um and I you know I'm trying for that not to happen in my book I'm sure that still happens when when people are reading maybe they stop even earlier I don't know um so my first attempt at it was to have no characters like orgasm for a while like I think the first two or three scenes no one had an orgasm and my editor her note was like verbatim Rachel please let the poor girl orgasm (laughs) (laughs) I was worried about that because I thought that would feel like this sense of completion and then like where do you go from there so I did let her earlier um I think their first the first instructional scene they don't because they really just do kissing but the second scene she does and then in many scenes after that as well um it does take he doesn't uh, it's like been miss for him I guess depending on what they're doing um but I, one was that I didn't want it to feel like everything was leading up to I mean, can I, I can get like explicit, right? I've already said orgasm. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> okay. I, I didn't want it to feel like penetration was the thing it was leading up to, because I think that is a really heteronormative lens to view things. And even though I am writing books, I never want it to feel like that is the singular definition of sex. And that's like a conversation that they have as well. And for me, when I'm writing romance, when I'm reading romance, like if someone is having an orgasm, that is sex. Um, so I did not want that to be the main scene everything was leading up to. So I that kind of happens, I think it's the second to last scene and there is another scene after that. So in terms of keeping things fresh, they really, like there's some toys, there is some like kink toward the end. And I think it, having so many scenes and having like the lessons trope as the bedrock was really a way for me to experiment with things that romance couples don't always get to experiment with because they're at the early like just getting to know you stage of the relationship you know you wouldn't if you're just starting a relationship with someone like you're maybe not going to introduce toys or like talk about fantasies right away like if it's only your like your first second third encounter um so that gives me the freedom to really um yeah branch out in ways that I haven't in my books before and yeah, I hope that each scene feels exciting in in its own way. <laughs> and that's the best conversation I've had this week. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Yes. But I, I love that. I loved the whole watching their whole sexual relationship develop in this book because it was another thing that just like felt really normal and natural. Like, I think a lot of times as romance writers, we put our characters into sexual situations and it's like perfection, you know, the first time, Mm -hmm. like they automatically just know exactly what to do. And that's like not 
super realistic. Like it takes some time to figure out what your partner wants and what they like and what works for them and what doesn't. And so to see that actually playing out on the page was just really cool because that doesn't happen very often. And it was just like, it was nice to see like such a real representation of like what a sexual partnership looks like. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I just love the idea of two people stumbling through it and figuring it out together. Like to me, that is just way more like that's much sexier than it just being instantly perfect at the beginning because there's so much communication and collaboration that has to go on. And I think that like sexual problem solving is really fun and like empowering and just hopefully interesting to read. Maybe more interesting sometimes. Yeah. No, it totally is. And I, um, you did that, I think with weather girl too, where it was like, Mm. you know, they kind of like had to ease into it a little bit. And I, I just really enjoyed that. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Cause it takes time. I'm, I'm happy to hear that. It's not a perfect process. Sometimes the sex is messy and you have to kind of just work through things a little bit. For sure. And I feel like my books are, you know, if there's a spectrum between escapism and realism, I try to, you know, blend the two and really land somewhere in the middle. Because I think that's a really, like, great way to be both, you know, showing someone that there is validation for their their preferences and their their experiences and their identity while also showing them and you can have this you know wild love story yeah i love that um all right well i think speaking of realism you are very into season two or and maybe season one too of the bear (laughs) which i have not watched yet because I worked in a restaurant for many, many years. And I was like, I feel like this might be triggering for me. <laughs> but please tell us all about it. Convince me to watch it because I've heard nothing but good things. Yes. No, yes. So season you know, season one gobbled that up when it came out. And yeah, I mean, I just finished the second to last episode of season two. We'll probably watch the last episode as soon as we're done recording. Um Yeah, I mean, I don't know the last time a show was equally so stressful and so enjoyable. Um, (laughs) And I'm not even, like, I would not consider myself a foodie. I am, like, 90% vegetarian. Um, So a lot of the foodie stuff is definitely lost on me. But there is something to, like, I mean, every piece of the show is just so well-crafted. From, you know, the characters, the dialogue, the cinematography... Like each each episode just feels like its own mini movie sometimes, even even though they're not incredibly long. Um, and I mean, there's this one episode. I think a lot of people will be talking about episode six in in season two because it's a flashback episode that takes place all on Christmas, and it's just this chaotic nightmare of a of a family dinner. Um, but there's this moment <laughs> in. <laughs> anyone listening will know the moment but there's this episode in or this moment in episode seven that employs a taylor swift song so perfectly like i don't think it could ever be done better in the history of tv cinema um and it was so good like you you would never think that there would be any overlap between the bear and taylor swift but um there was and it was great <laughs> 
That's amazing. Which song was it, if I can ask? Or is it a spoiler? No, I know. It was Love Story. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. That is not what I would have expected you were going to say. I know. <laughs> I know. It is a, such a, I mean, you, I feel like it's worth watching all of season one and then, you know, the first seven episodes of season two just to get, that, get to that moment. Like, my husband and I were just screaming. It was just comedic genius it's a very funny moment okay so is the show itself more of like a comedy or a drama because i feel like everything i see looks kind of dark but then i hear people being like no it's hilarious and i'm like yeah which way are we leading there definitely definitely it's dark comedy i mean I, you know, that saying about how like all comedy is really tragedy like i think this one really (laughs) really makes use of that because there is obviously a lot of dark stuff going on but it's also just so I mean it's the two shows are wildly different but I mean Succession is hilarious even though nothing in that show is like that's not like a light fun show um so I think it just all comes it comes down to like the writing and the, the scenarios um but yeah can't recommend it enough if you want some stress and some beautiful food. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Oh my gosh. Um. Oh, go ahead, Fallon. Did you want to? You had something no. you wanted to say? No, I was <laughs> just going to segue. But you can do it. Go for it. Um. Before we head into our last topic, I actually wanted to go back really quick, if I could, and because I want, um listeners to hear about your amazing drafting process. So um, for anyone who doesn't know, Rachel was actually my Pitch Wars mentor and my career would not have happened the way it did without Rachel. And something we really, really connected on was how we draft in layers. But Rachel has a very unique way of doing that. Um, And it's very fun. And Rach, would you mind um, talking about that for a sec? Yes, of course. Well, I also just need to clarify that you absolutely would have the career that you have because your writing is fantastic. <laughs> and yes, no, no absolutely. No, I love you. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so my drafting process, um, I it looks like Mad Libs. So my first drafts, like I, I do have an outline, but when I actually open up Word, I write without stopping, and that means I don't pause to think of a random side character's name. If I want to write something funny, I don't think about, I don't pause to think, like, actually come up with something funny. And instead, I'm really just plotting out, I mean, I'm, like, sketching out the rhythm of the scene. And when I know I want something in a certain spot, but I don't know what it is, I just hit the underscore button, like, ten times in a row. So my first draft has like all these, it really, it looks like a fill in the blank Mad Libs. And I can't explain why my brain works this way. I know a lot of people use brackets and, you know, they'll say something like, add more description here. And I do some of that too. Um, I feel like I know, I have a sense of what I want the rhythm of the the paragraph or the sentence to be and those blanks just help me you know give me a placeholder to come back later 
And it makes definitely my first drafts are more like zero drafts. I mean, no one reads those Mad Lib versions. Um, but there have been a few of those like underscore bits that have made their way to copy edits. And the copy editor is like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> oh, like an actual <laughs> underscore and you have to delete it? Yeah, yeah. Or like that's amazing. Or something. Yeah, I truly, I wish I could wow. explain why this works, but it is the only way I can write books. Like, am I even a writer? What is happening? Of course. Why does it work? I don't know. <laughs> it's amazing because, you know, you can't tackle a, as massive of a project as a book is in one fell swoop. And I feel like this takes so much of the pressure off um, and probably yeah. how you're such a prolific and fast writer because you're able to do it in stages like this and like focus on a different aspect during each stage. And honestly, the brackets piss me off so much because it <laughs> takes time to be like shift bracket or whatever you have to do. And the underscore is genius because it's, it's so, so fast. Easy. It's beautiful. I know it just glides right along. You can get, you know, mm-hmm. you can get as many of them as you want. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, I love that because I can't tell you how many times when I'm drafting, I just sit there and I'm stuck trying to think of like one word or mm-hmm. one little detail. And yeah. I just sit and stare at the screen and just totally stop my whole process for that one stupid word. And like, yeah, it would make much more sense to just leave it blank. Um, but just the thought of that gives me serious anxiety. So I don't know. And I think we had a yeah like I know some people who their first drafts are so polished um and then mine are just garbage and I obviously have a lot more to do on my next draft but it enables me to write that first draft in a few weeks and yeah I just I like having that you know 50,000 you know 40 50,000 word complete mess to prove to myself that like, oh, I have something book shaped. I can just go back in and fill in the Mad Libs and then it'll be a book. It's not quite that simple. So much less intimidating. Yeah. I love that. And it kind of makes it like a game, makes it fun. Yeah. That has been like my favorite part of this podcast so far is like hearing how everybody does things so differently. And it really is just like, whatever works for you is the way that you should do it. And I just love all these different ideas that everybody has and everybody gets there in their own way. And it's just so cool. I know. And like you could, you know, your process might sound just completely absurd to someone else. And even though it's like the only, like it truly is the only way that I can write a book. Um, And like, I can listen to you talk about sitting there for an hour trying to come up with the right word. And I'd be like, just do make it a Mad Libs, but I fully understand not being able to let yourself do that because I also cannot pause during that first draft and let myself, you know, look up words and, and try to figure out the right one. So we end up in the same place. Yeah. It, yeah. We just took those different paths. That's interesting. Isn't that amazing? It's like, however works for everybody's individual brains that's what's best for you that's why no writing advice it can be universal because everybody's brain mm-hmm. operates differently mm-hmm. um yeah i know i think that i could have cleaner first drafts but oh sorry no no sorry it's the delay you go 
I wish that I could have cleaner first drafts. Um, you know, it would be amazing to like be working on something and be able to share with my critique partners as I go, but I just cannot. And I'm like, Hey, can you help me brainstorm? And they're like, yeah, what do you have so far? And I'm like, uh, it's just <laughs> a jumble of nonsense. <laughs> That's so relatable though. Yeah. Not having anything to share for a little while. Yep. That's okay though. Yeah. Are you going to write a book set in Amsterdam? Yes, I'm working on one now as we speak. Um, yes, it will be out next year. I'm I'm very early stages, but it's like I'm being super self-indulgent with it and just putting in a lot of my favorite tropes. So I, I think it's going to be really fun. I love that. Love it. Amazing. Um, well, we're going to let you go in just a second here. But before we do, I know you have some... Well, actually, I think by the time this releases, all your stuff will be over. So hopefully everybody who's listening came out to see you on all of your beautiful tour stops, um, because I know that they're amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Coming to you from the future. Um, But Can you tell everyone where they can find you online? Um, so I'm on Instagram at R-L-Y-N-N underscore Solomon. Can't, can't escape the underscores. Um, and my website, <laughs> RachelSolomonBook.com. Amazing. And Business or Pleasure is out now. It's incredible. Please do yourself a favor. If you haven't already read it, go get it because it's fantastic. I think it's everything you have come to expect from a Rachel and Solomon book. Um, and it's Fabulous. Thank you so much for being here. This has been like truly incredible. And we love you. We love you. I adore you both. This was such a blast. Just the perfect way to to end my day because we are quite a few hours apart. Thanks to these kind of zones. Amazing. Thank you everyone so much for listening and we will chat with you more next week. Thank you so much for listening to Happy to Meet Cute. If you enjoyed our podcast, we would love it so much if you would give us a follow on social media. We are at Happy to Meet Cute on Instagram. And also, if you could please leave a review and subscribe, that would be amazing. If you would like to follow your host, you can find Courtney at court underscore k k a e on all social media platforms and you can find me fallon ballard at fallon ballard everywhere you imbibe your social media if you would like to buy any of the books mentioned in this episode you can find links in the show notes and a special shout out to zachary kibby and matt ballard for our amazing theme song thank you so much for tuning in and we hope to see you next time